the Reconstructionist Radio Podcast Network presents Worldview Media Podcast, where Gordon and Joyce Runyon view popular media through the lens of the biblical five-point covenant model to help believers appreciate and apply principles of exciting narrative and engaging storytelling. Hello once again to the Worldview Media Podcast. We are broadcasting from our auxiliary command battle bridge. <laughs> I was wondering where we were. <laughs> Everybody on the podcast this time is all in studio with us. Hey. Yay. Let's see. With me today are two ladies who have always been uh, a little bit too passionate about football. Oh, boy. Maybe one. No, not really. (laughs) My wife, Joyce, is here. And our daughter, Jordan, is with us. Hello, Jordan. Hello. Special day for Jordan. It's her birthday. (sighs) Happy birthday. Wow. Wow. And so we're here today to analyze the 2003 movie, Radio. Starring Ed Harris and Cuba Gooding Jr. Mm. All right. And in this movie, let's see what happens. We have Ed Harris is the athletic director. He's the football coach. Head football coach at a small school. Looks fairly small in South Carolina. Is that right? I think so. In the mid-70s. And they get a... A boy or man who looks like he might be homeless or something, he walks around town with a shopping cart, and it's played by Cuba Gooding Jr., and turns out he's developmentally disabled, and it takes quite a while, but Coach Jones, played by Ed Harris, is persistent in trying to make friends with this young man, eventually brings him on board as kind of the equipment manager for the team. And at the end of the story, he's kind of a fixture at the school and everybody loves him. And along the way, they encounter some speed bumps in terms of people being mean to the to the young man or not understanding him and school board fearing him and stuff like that. And so that's where the conflict comes from. All right, so anybody have any overall things to say about this movie? Well, I think I'd have to have you adjust perhaps the storyline a little bit because I think everybody knew that this um, young man was out in their community. Everybody kind of knew he was there, but nobody really engaged with him. And that didn't really happen until his football boys got a little bit carried away and kind of were being mean to him, locked him up in the... Uh, maybe their equipment storage area and we're throwing footballs at the, you know, on the walls to make it noisy and, and really, really scared this gentleman. And uh, the coach was like, what's going on here? And he goes in to go see about it. And that's really when his relationship starts in earnest with this guy that he's seen walking around the football field that, you know, everybody is aware of this person, but nobody's really interacted with him. Oh, yeah. Yeah, right. His initial reaction was maybe motivated by some feeling bad for what his own football players had done to the 
I, I call him a boy. I don't know if he was supposed to be a man or he seemed like maybe a younger guy. But let's see. Apparently this is based on a true story and there really is a Coach Jones and there really is a, a Radio. James Kennedy <laughs> nicknamed Radio. And it really did kind of happen in that way. There are actual film clips shown of the two of them interacting at the end of the movie. And it's, it's kind of what the feel-good movie of the year. <laughs> sure. What do you think of it, Jordan? <laughs> I... I guess I liked it more than I kind of thought I would like it, just going in knowing that it was sort of this sports-leaning kind of movie, right. which I tend to not really care too much about. It wasn't really a football movie, though, No, was it? it wasn't, you know? no. Not really. Sports were just kind of the backdrop for what was going on. Right. Yeah, did you have any issues with plotting or anything like that? I don't, I don't think so. I would have thought just being in a small community that more more people would have known who this guy was and his family, but I don't even know if he lived actually in that neighborhood or where the school was or if he was farther away because, you know, he he rode his shopping cart around everywhere. <laughs> right. So even right. though everybody kind of knew who this guy was, I don't really think they knew, like, who, who his family was or where he lived or stuff like that. So yeah. So that was a little bit... Uh, different for me because we we do live in a small community and you may not know where everybody lives, but you say, oh yeah, this is so-and-so and they belong to this person over here. And so you know, all the people that walk around with shopping carts yeah. in our town. Yeah, that's true. Uh, the one issue with plotting or storytelling that I had in my mind was we don't really find out until the movie's basically over that coach Jones was kind of a big deal when it came to high school football. And, he apparently had a statewide reputation and was held in honor as just being an excellent football coach, one that any school would have coveted to bring on. And that's not really ever mentioned until the very end of the show. And I think it would have made some things make a little bit more sense along the way, like why he was given a little bit of leeway here and there and why the school board kind of seemed to back down on some of the things that w they would have liked to see, have seen done. And he seemed to have some more pull with the administration than a run of the mill football coach would seem to have had. Well, it was kind of in my mind. I kind of understand what you're saying, but I think in the movie after the games, you know, after the first big game that we have on, on the big screen, it cuts away to this little barbershop right. and all the men folk are in there. And I was like, you know, watching it, I was like, well, okay, wh when is this? Is this like next week? Is this, what's going on here? And it, it really pretty much was right it's after the, the game. after the game, yeah, it's, yeah. I think it was game night. He yeah. went in and, um, you know, they kind of reviewed what happened. You know, it's looking at, like you would want to do, go into the Cowboys and see there and go play by play. This is what happened. We should have done this. We weren't well, quite Well, it was on really like a small town version of the press conference that, uh, Pro coach stands up after the game, win or lose, and kind of explains what what went happened right or and what yeah. went wrong. And yeah. in in that scene, I see that they really look up to this guy, that they really respect him. He walks in. I just made the coffee. You're going to have the first cup, and uh, that he really 
he commands some respect because everybody's quiet. They're listening to him. And so that, in my mind, that kind of said, okay, this isn't just like our football coach. <laughs> right, right. You know, this is somebody that, that means something to the community at least. So. Yeah. Unlike our football coach. <laughs> I didn't say that. Just kidding. Just kidding. Just kidding, football coach. Yeah, nobody from our town listens, so we're safe. <laughs> I, don't, I don't even know who you are, but just kidding. Well, you see how much he means to the community. <laughs> I'm sure he's an upstanding fellow. Uh, let's see. The other thing that I thought was interesting is looking it up online, I found out that it was really widely panned by critics. They, the main criticism that they had, it has a very low Rotten Tomatoes score and all that. Mm. And the very, the prominent criticism was that they thought it was overly sentimental in the screenplay. I wonder if that resonates with you or can you know, does that make any sense? Well, we're looking at each other questioningly. <laughs> <laughs> Jordan, what do you say? Uh... I mean, it was sentimental, but I feel like that's sort of the nature of the story. I don't know if it was overly sentimental. Yeah, I think probably the feeling was it got a little bit cheesy now and then. I, I don't know. The only scene I can think of in my mind where maybe that's the case is the one where Radio left the the one football player who had treated him badly consistently. He gave him a gift of a radio and a and a nice note, handwritten <laughs> note. Yeah. And then that seemed to melt the player's heart, heart toward him and and make everything better. To me, that'd be maybe the only scene that I thought was maybe a little over the top, sentimental-wise. Sure. Yeah, maybe. I don't know. Uh, you see the movie, and you think it's going to be about football. And so if you go in thinking it's going to be about football and you realize oh this isn't about football this is about something more it's something more um more basic and more genuine and more important sure you know even like the coach says you know i have to do the things that are important and football right i love football mm -hmm. but that's not what it's about and right. you know so often i think just in our lives we kind of get skewed like that that we say Oh, this is what I love, so this has to be what's important. And um, it's not always a, the case. Yeah. Anything else to add to that? No, I think that's probably pretty good. Okay, I agree. <laughs> so now, it, since we're done with this section, we'll be moving on to analyze it quickly according to the five points of the biblical covenant. We're going to take a little break and hear a message from Jason Sanchez from Reconstructionist Radio Network. And we'll be right back. The Reconstructionist Radio Podcast Network brings to you a complete lineup of podcasts where you will hear practical and tactical theology. Our desire is not simply that you consume our shows, but that you also live out your faith in every area of life. We can talk all day long about these things, but if we fail to put them into practice, then we fail as ambassadors of Jesus Christ, our King. Subscribe now to your favorite Reconstructionist Radio Podcast Network shows, or you can subscribe to the Reconstructionist Radio Master Feed, where all of the content we produce, including the audiobooks and audio articles, will pop up as soon as they are available. And don't forget to visit 
reconstructionistradio.com to volunteer as a narrator or to partner with this ministry financially. May the Holy Spirit stir you into action for Christ and His Kingdom. And we're back, and it's time for us to look at the movie Radio from standpoint of worldview and five points of the biblical covenant structure. The first one is transcendence, and I felt like there was quite a bit of that, or or there was stuff at least pointing in that direction in this movie. What do you all think? Uh, yeah, I guess I could see that, because um, Coach Jones, I feel like, especially with his whole conviction about, like, why he was having to do this and how it's important to do what's right and stuff. And he's obviously getting that from something that isn't just the people around him because... There's a higher law that right. he's... Yeah. So he's, he's more aware of, like, hey, I have an obligation because of this more important uh, rule that, that I know of, you know? Right. Yeah, and, and he also reminds the people around him because his principal says, why are you doing this? And he says, why are you doing this? You know, you know why we're doing this. And even when uh, Radio's mom says, okay, what's going on here that you're taking this this interest in my son? Why are you doing this? And so, you know, why is he doing this? Yeah. Well. <laughs> I, think, I think he had several motivations. I think we'll get to one here in a little bit. But. Yeah. I really felt like the transcendence thing, one of the things that shows transcendence is who who bottom line gets to say what's right and wrong. And it's clear that Coach Jones has this idea that there are certain things that are right and certain things that are wrong. And if the school board disagrees, then to heck with the school board. Then they're we're wrong. Gonna, we're yeah. going to violate that. We're going we're gonna to be at odds. We're going to have an issue if you don't think that I should do the thing that is morally right here. Yeah. Yeah. So that was that was a good thing. And I appreciated the fact that at one point it showed Coach Jones and, and Radio walking out of the, the church. The Black Baptist Church. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Generosity Baptist Church. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> right. And so that was good and I think that was a clear indication of where transcendence where transcendence really resided in, in his life and Yeah probably radio's life and his family as well. Mm-hmm. So I really appreciated that. Okay, so the next point I think is pretty easy to spot. Are we in agreement that Coach Jones himself is kind of the representative of that transcendence? Yeah, I think so. Yeah. Yeah. I believe so. Now, I think the – so we'll – move on from that pretty quickly. I think point three is where there's going to be more stuff to talk about because point three is ethics. And we like to talk about in a, in a story that you tell the ethical system most plainly shows itself in the midst of moral crisis. And I think there were several when you start thinking about it, you're almost tempted to say the whole show is a moral crisis for the coach Jones. Yeah. And how much is he really willing to risk for the sake of devoting himself to this man radio and trying to be his friend and trying to help him? And certainly the fight with the school board, 
the the back and forth with them at least was part of that. But mom mentioned the other one was the issue of why are you doing this? What's your motivation? And people continually kind of challenging them and asking mm -hmm. what's going on here? Why are you doing this? Like when radio's mom asks him, why do you do this? Because somebody ought to do it. it. It needs to be done. Yeah. And her answer was, well, a lot of things need to be done and they don't get done. So why are you doing it this time? Yeah. Right. That's where I felt like just for the purposes of storytelling, I really felt like it was good that time that he finally revealed kind of what of his one of his major motivations was the guilt that he was carrying from yeah to his daughter being twelve years old and <laughs> seeing a boy that was maybe in a similar state mentally or developmentally and probably in a position where he could have used somebody to speak up for him and yeah. and he never did yeah. And, kind of carrying that guilt around. And now, as an adult, he's motivated to do whatever it takes to help this this guy. Yeah. And I kind of wonder if that really is based on truth or if that was some artistic liberty they were taking. Is that taking. a real story? You know, because this is based on a real story. But um, in defense of the young boy who saw this other boy pretty much chained up underneath their house, somebody house someone else's house, not his home. But um, I think often our kids are witnesses to things that are so much larger than themselves that it's really hard for them to deal with that properly. How, how does a kid, I mean, what? How do you process that? What do you do with that? Who do you go to? Who do you say, this is, this is what's going on and you need to help them? And then how do you know that it's actually taken care of? And I think that's, you know, maybe something as uh, Christians that we need to really prepare our kids for things that happen that are not normal, that are not regular. And how do we, what do we then do? You know, who can you talk to about this? And, and then hopefully that adult that you talk to has some courage to, to do the right yeah. thing as well. Well, to me, what you just said kind of leads to the other moral crisis I had in my mind, because it did seem to come to a head that Coach Jones is devoting so much energy and time to radio that it seems at some points like it may be detrimental to his own family and his dealings with his own daughter. But by the end of the movie, I think it was apparent that his daughter had grown a lot because of watching yeah. how her dad was dealing with this guy and and if you had, I think at that time, if you had asked his daughter, did he do the right thing or do you wish he would have done something different? I think she'd have been completely on board and saying, oh, no, he did exactly the right thing. That's what he should have done. Right. Yeah. And so when you talk about teaching our children to deal with hard situations, you know, you're not going to be able to say, okay, if this happens, this is what I think it's all about. Actions. What do your children see you yeah. doing? What are you modeling yeah. for them? Right. And that's another big issue with the whole movie, like I said at the beginning, is that this character, he was well-known in the community. Everybody knew, okay, here comes the guy with the, you know, with a shopping cart, avert your eyes, look away, cross the street really fast. We don't want to be involved. And there are people like that in all of our communities, communities that are kind of marginalized and that yeah. we, we know they're there. And so long as they're over there, <laughs> we're yeah. okay. And they're okay because we can see that they're there. <laughs> but right. um, 
there really comes down to love your neighbor as yourself. And that's what the coach was doing. He really was, was looking out for his neighbor. Yeah, and I just felt like that's a great Christian message in terms of in that whole community. If you were going to pick a guy that you think if Jesus was in the flesh, who would Jesus go up to and start dealing with? Well, it <laughs> it's going to be that guy that's kind of outcast and nobody cares about him and the one who's lowly and humble and not important and shunned. That's the one Jesus is going to go after. You know, yeah. in yeah. both Testaments, God has a heart for the humble and a love for the lowly. And if if we're going to image him or mirror him, you know, that's we need to start targeting those folks, too, in terms of this is the one I need to love. Yeah. Jordan, you have anything else? Moral crisis? Well, what about that? That one parent guy Ooh, who, uh, who was always so bad. Right, so there is a parent whose son is a sports hero at the high school, and he gets it in his head that Coach Jones is being distracted by radio and and somehow that his son's chances of college scholarships or eventual professional sports, that somehow radio is damaging those chances. And so he's kind of doing everything he can to get rid of radio yeah, and kind of ban him from the school and, yeah. and all that. Yeah. I really think he's kind of the, the prong in the school board that's getting him right. going. No, and, sure. and it's really his son that causes some problems for radio too. You know, his son is the one that's saying, all right, let's get this guy and put him in the equipment room. Okay. Let's send the guy into the girl's locker room because He'll do what we say, and he trusts me, and so, and you know, he's always the one kind of tripping him up, and so, yeah, that's that's not a good thing. And but you know, what's his dad doing? He's doing the same thing, putting the bug in his ear. Yeah, yeah. The apple didn't fall far from the tree. <laughs> yeah, but he came around when he saw. Yeah, the young the son did for sure, and the dad didn't like it. No, he didn't. <laughs> right. Uh, the other moral crisis, I think we've already talked about it, but a lot of people know that categories of good and evil, those are completely moral and they're based in religion and can't be based in anything other than religion. Yeah. But another another way that morality works out is in how we value stuff. Value judgments are moral judgments. And again, there's no way around that. If I'm going to pick thing A over thing B... There are going to be reasons why I think that thing A is more valuable. Mm -hmm. And so there comes that time, it comes to a head where Coach Jones knows I've either got to choose my career as a football coach or I've got to choose radio. And, yeah. you know, that's a huge, that's a huge moral crisis. Yeah. My family is going to be affected by me no longer being the football hero and all that. That's going to change our career path and and everything. So I felt like that was a huge moral decision that he made. And, and again, he made the decision that's clearly in line with a Christian ethic. Yeah. Yeah. So I was glad to see that. You know, I think he did that. And I think he would have been willing to really be done with football in that capacity he had been. But I don't really think that's how that ended up for him because you I feel think, like they called him back. Yeah, I think him <laughs> taking that stand and everybody's like, "Oh, great! Now look what you did!" You know that they understood that this really was important, and you see that 
as they recap the story at the end and they talk about if you ever go to this town you'll come out and you'll you'll meet radio because he's here and he's like a he's a fixture in our school and he does all the things that he used to do and he's still here and we wouldn't have it any other way yeah they give him a honorary diploma every year at graduation they did kind of to me it was open ended about whether or not he would ever coach again well but they showed him receiving yeah he did get inducted but if he was already really good then maybe well he was an, an older man when he was inducted though. yeah but yeah I don't maybe know. it just took a while for <laughs> well paperwork I, I to still go through think, and i still think he's not a cowboy <laughs> so so your feeling is they probably called him back as soon as he like next day somebody called him and said don't quit or well, I'd have to look at it, but I I would bet he was still doing some football. Yeah, but I'm with you. Whether they called him back or not, he was sincere about that yeah. decision. Oh, that, yeah, I don't think he said that as a I'm bluff. not going to do yeah. this anymore. He was at peace with that decision. Yeah. He knew it was the right thing to do, and he's got his wife and child there who maybe, well, obviously throughout the movie, they had maybe some grounds for resenting the situation with radio, but by that time, they're completely on board. And they're actually maybe a little bit excited at the prospect of not having to do football anymore. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. Well, I don't know. (laughs) And another thing with the story, I think, you know, when radio's mom dies, that some people might have seen that as, uh, okay, well, I've done all I can to this point. Now he's the older brother's, responsibility or he's the state's responsibility or you know i can't do anything more and and that's really when they stepped it up even more with radio that okay he needs to come to school and he needs to be here and we can keep an eye on him and we can find jobs for him to do and we can make him a part of this community because his mother's not there anymore and i think today if something like that were to happen that maybe people would say okay well i did as much as i could and I'm absolved of that. So that was good. I I kind of suspected maybe Coach Jones and his family would take radio into their own family, but that never did happen. Yeah. I was thinking it might at that same point. All right. Well, point four is about sanctions and whether or not people get what they deserve, especially from in a way that's consistent with the worldview that's being preached and. My thought is, to this point, I think the worldview of the movie is basically Christian without coming out and saying it. So you see Coach Jones honored. He's, I think part of the sanctions part of it was that scene, the last scene at the barbershop at the end where where he does say, I'm quitting. And it, it's not just that he was quitting, but he was all right with that. He was happy with it. His family was intact and they were happy. Yeah. And so all the accolades later and being inducted into the high school football hall of fame or something like that. I, I don't think that was the positive sanction. I think it was the, the peace and the, the weight that he'd been carrying of the guilt of since he was 12 years old and, and all of that, that was obviously gone. Yeah. And, and his family was prospering and doing well. And so for me, I, I felt like that was the positive sanction that he and his family received. Yeah, I could see that. That that sounds good to me. I could get on board with that. <laughs> uh, negative sanctions. The only real guy that maybe qualified as a villain was that persnickety dad that we mentioned before with the 
sports hero for his son. Right. And it didn't show him suffering under the effects of any curse except maybe a little bit of estrangement from his own son. Yeah. You know, once, you know, Coach Jones does the right thing and his family comes together and prospers. This other guy does the bad thing and the last we see their families, he and his relationship with his son is on the verge of Well, it certainly looks really like bad. it's divided a little bit. Right. And I think ultimately that one guy stood alone. Right. You know, he was only... Yeah, and the community was all mad at him and stuff. Kind of a weird dynamic in that barbershop because I almost get the feeling like before Coach Jones got there, the one dad that's speaking up against radio, uh, I almost felt like he had he was a strong enough personality, a strong enough member of the community that he probably could have gotten some people behind him just because they were afraid to oppose him or yeah, something like that. Yeah, like a bully. <laughs> right. Yeah, exactly. And and Coach Jones comes in and suddenly everybody's reminded of what's right and what's wrong and what's yeah. really important. And, and I don't think he was actually invited to attend that one They meeting. were having the meeting without yeah, him. Yeah, they were having yeah. it without him. And uh, he shows up and the principal, I was going to let you know. <laughs> well, that's all right, I'm here. The other thing I appreciated, though, was the friends that the coach had around him, you know, the basketball coach. Yeah. Yeah. He risked just as much. He didn't, he didn't take the initial uh, step like the coach plunge. Jones yeah. did, but he was on board the whole way and, and never wavered. And I thought that was a good thing. And the principal, she did a good job too. Yeah. You know, without talking about the evil of public schools and all that, <laughs> I'm just saying in the setting that they were uh, in, the individual people that were involved, <laughs> seem to be decent people who acted with courage and did the right thing. Yeah. Mm. I think so. I think that's right. And and just the way kind of everybody embraced radio from the office personnel to the kids, you know, and he'd be after them, don't run, don't run. And they'd be like, oh, and then he'd say, oh, let me give you a hug because, you know. <laughs> <laughs> okay, so the fifth point of the covenant is succession and Especially with the covenant, it's all about how is this, how is the arrangement that we have now, how is that going to continue once all the people that are involved now are dead? Does this, does this thing have a future? And I really felt like we've kind of already mentioned that, that you see Coach Jones's daughter learning and growing. Mm-hmm. And, but you also see it with the bad guy's son, that mm-hmm. he too kind of changes. Yeah. There's a sense in which, Coach Jones discipled both of them just by letting them observe his actions. Yeah. Well, he was uh, he was a bit of a taskmaster and a teacher to the to the boy, the the yeah. bad guy's son. You know, he was he could be a disciplinarian and and kick his butt when he needed his butt to be kicked and and uh, and all of that. And, yeah. and there's some of that involved in discipline. And yeah. Discipling. And I kind of wonder. If his dad ever did anything like that with him. Right. He went through life without being You know, because he was the, you know, athletically gifted kid right. who was like, oh, you're wonderful. And this isn't so important because this is wonderful. And Right. His you know, dad treats him like a prima donna. And, yeah. And Coach Jones wasn't having it. Yeah. So I really appreciated that. That just by sticking to his convictions and just by being willing to lose whatever it was that he needed to lose in order to do what is right. Jones winds up discipling all the kids on the football team and discipling his own, his daughter and his wife and just being a great leader in terms of 
showing them what it means to show compassion. And for me, I thought it was a really, it's a really underrated movie. I thought it was really good. Yeah. I'd recommend it a lot. And I would say that with the coach, I don't think he had an agenda. He had, he never had a, okay, I want to get radio entrenched in our school system and where he's a part of everything here. For him, it was just doing, this is what's right and what we need to do today. Right. What does he need that yeah. we can that we can do? And how that evolved is that this gentleman was still at the school and still helping with football and still helping with athletics and, and doing all these things. But I don't think when he met him, he said, aha, um, this is what I'm going to do. You know, it was just the, like I said, the daily this is what I'm. This is what needs to be done today, and that's how that worked itself out. Right. Well, I think that's obviously true because a couple of times he and the principal had to talk about where is this going, what are we doing, and, and the answer was, I don't know, I have no idea. Yeah. But we need to do what's right today. <laughs> what does yeah. he need today? Well, but yeah. I know for me sometimes that's a problem because I, I like the long range plan. I like to know where things are going and. And how we're going to get to that point. And um, that's not really what it's about. It's about today. What's going on today? What do I need to do today? And eventually all those todays will get me to where I need to be tomorrow. Yeah. Well, in terms of storytelling, too, it occurred to me, I think that the guilt motivation that he had, I don't think that was his only motivation, but that part of it that was about the childhood guilt, to me, I thought that was very powerful. And it wasn't cheesy the way he told the story. It could have been much more dramatic and yeah. overblown, but it was yeah. very matter-of-fact the way that he told it. But I thought it was very powerful, and it occurs to me that that's probably a thing that can be incorporated in stories and movies. And You know, guilt is a powerful motivator. And I know in my own life, sitting here as a nearly 50-year-old guy right now, I know there's stuff that has happened in my past that I'll just be... I'll, just, I'll be doggone if I'm going to let that happen again. You know, <laughs> yeah. it's, it's not going to be that way again. And because I hated who I was in those circumstances, and I'm not going to be that guy anymore. And so past failure, I think that's a great motivator to doing better and, and all of that. Right. In fact, in keeping with the football theme, I've really come to believe it's important to replay the game film in our own lives. You know, if you're struggling with a certain temptation and you fall, I think it's important to go back and rewind that film and observe carefully like a football coach who keeps running forward and backward the one play to diagnose <laughs> this play. Keep running it backwards and forwards and figuring out where did I fall? What was my mistake? As I'm in a battle with this temptation, where was it that it got me? And I, it's always been my experience. It's way before you thought it got you. You know, <laughs> it's, yeah. it's earlier than that. And so I think with both successes and failures in terms of ministry and Christian life, it's important to replay that game film and, and see what did I what allowed this to work? Why didn't it work? Why did I fail so horribly? And mm -hmm. What was going on there? Mm -hmm. And I kind of felt like there's a little metaphor in that, the football coach. Yeah. So anything else, Jordan? Any other thoughts that you haven't said yet? Uh, No, I don't think I have any other thoughts. Well, I thought, you know, this happened in the 70s, and they did a fantastic job on screen bringing that out. I mean, it looked like, it looked like the seventies, the vehicles, the clothing, um, the football field, you know, 
all of the stuff, I just thought they did a really, really good job with that. It looked like the 70s. Yeah, I mean, you, you felt like, yeah, I'm here. <laughs> yeah, that's interesting. The Wikipedia page for the movie I was reading said that they filmed it on location in the correct town because the downtown area where they always were mm-hmm. had not changed at all. And it was exactly, you know, that's what it was in the 70s. Yeah. So there there was no set designing that they had to do. <laughs> well, I was just, I was really like, wow, they they have captured this. <laughs> <Right. laughs> you yeah. know, so interesting. That was good. All right. So I think that means we're done for this week. We've put a cap on it. Time for us to graduate to new things. <laughs> oh, I see. Uh, do you hear you catch that throwback, that callback to earlier? Uh-huh. All right. Well, it wasn't very strong, <laughs> was it? <laughs> Uh, well you know you don't got much of an arm (laughs) (laughs) what is that supposed to mean (laughs) all right we've got a just a programming note we do have a couple of special episodes coming up and they're going to be more focused on a couple of books that are specifically designed to help writers and storytellers and so we're going to discuss a couple of those in the future and i think they'll be really interesting and we've done one already it hasn't come out yet but i think it'll be a lot of fun and so i just have you look forward to that so as always be mindful of how to extend the kingdom of christ into every area of life including arts and entertainment and popular media that's a place where christians need to be taking dominion so we need to be learning how to diagnose worldview as it's being preached to us through storytelling and that will help us to be able to preach a biblical worldview through storytelling amen sound mm-hmm. good sounds good all right till next week bye bye y'all bye bye thank you for listening to the worldview media podcast please visit reconstructionistradio.com to check out the other podcasts in our network and to download our free audiobooks. <laughs> <laughs>